and fortifying our foundation. So we're going through just on authority next week. I've got a series uh, I've already been working on for quite some time, doing some research on it uh, in regards to relationships, marriage and dating and those sorts of things. It's important if we understand what God has established to do it the Lord's way. And when we break the bounds that God has given, there's always collateral consequences. And in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, I've got to turn there. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, it reads for us, Through wisdom is in house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. We need the wisdom of God. Our verse for the month is Psalm 127.1, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain. I need God to do the work. I need God's wisdom to build my personal life, to build my home life, to be as a parent, to be in the church. I need God's help in all of this. And so there is a gift of authority. I want to read for you. Adrian Rogers writes, he says, When Joyce and I were in college, we got married after our first year. We'd been sweetheart for so long, we just decided to go ahead and get married. Just young people, he writes. Very young people. I had just completed a year of college. We got married. Now, I was there on a football scholarship. Also had a ministerial scholarship. But if I kept the football scholarship, I had to sleep in the athletic dorm and eat at the training table. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be married to Joyce. And so I forfeited the football scholarship. Was called to a little church and started preaching when I was a 19-year-old boy and pastoring that little church. We drove 130 miles one way on weekends, and we had already decided we wanted a family. So we started our family early while we were still in school. Three years of school to go, pastoring a little church, and Joyce was having some complications with the pregnancy, our first child. And so the doctor said it would not be good for her to travel that distance in the automobile. Well, it was Saturday, and a news report came across that there had been a prison break in a prison very near our trailer park, where our little 25-foot house trailer was. And the people were told, lock your doors, lock your windows, take the keys out of your car, get the children off the streets, be very, very careful. Because of the three men who had escaped, two were killers. And so they said, be very careful. And the prison was in the vicinity where we lived, and that night we could hear the bloodhounds because they had tracked them to our area. And the bloodhounds were baying around our trailer park and our little trailer there. And so normally I would go, have gone early, but I said, Joyce, I'm not going to go. And actually it was on a Saturday night, and I said, I'd rather than going down on Saturday. I'm going to stay here with you Saturday night. Then I'll get up real early on Sunday morning and I'll drive to be there at church. Drive that 130 miles, he writes. So we lay in bed that night and could hear the activity out around as they were trying to track those killers in our vicinity. Early in the morning I got up to get ready. Our little house trailer did not have a bathroom in it. We had a path, not a bath. And there was a community wash house there. I can't think about that. Going back to those days of having community wash house. But anyway, there they have it, right? And, uh, and I got my things together to go over there to bathe and shave and get ready to go. It was gray dawn. I was going to leave Joyce there, and I looked over here beyond a trailer, and I saw a convict. No doubt he was a convict because he had, a, he had convict clothes. And he was slipping behind a trailer. There was nobody else out there to help. I didn't want to get engaged with some killer convict, and, but I didn't want to run. I didn't want to scream to alarm him, and I didn't know what he might do. I thought, surprise is the best weapon. So I decided I will pounce him. Now you have to understand now, I'm there on a football scholarship. I was in pretty good shape. And there was this man, he didn't see me. I saw him first. I had the drop on him. Now normally common sense would have told me to run and get out of there, but there's my wife. 
I didn't want to bring him to my house. I didn't want to, it to go the other way, so I began to move closer and closer around the cha- trailer, and I jumped him, and I got him around the neck, and I put him on my hip, and I did a lock on him and put him down. He began to yell and to squeal and say, let me go. And he said, I'm not one of them. I said, yes, you are. He said, I am not. I said, I see your uniform. I know who you are. And about that time, a sheriff's deputy came around with a dog and he said, mister, you can let him go. He's a trustee. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, think about that. Why on earth would I jump a man like that, that I thought was most likely a killer? I'll tell you one reason. There was a girl in that trailer over there, and God gave me a protective instinct. I'm not the man I used to be then. <coughs> But I'm going to tell you something. You put your hand on my wife or one of my kids, and if I can, I'll put you on the ground. You don't touch a man's children. You don't touch a man's wife. God wants us to have a protective instinct. The man is to be the protector. He's to be the provider. Two weeks ago, I started a sermon on authority, and it's the gift is each of, to the recipient. Whoever is under the authority, that, that authority is your gift. And authority is one to whom we submit, but it's also one who protects us. Think about this. A husband, he's saying, I'm going to protect my wife. I will do what it takes. You can take me to down, take me down, you can kill me, but I'm going to put myself in the way of my wife. You're not touching my wife. Protector, that's a leader. The authority was ordained by God, and he has ordained structure for your protection. Those whom a leader leads are to be nourished and protected. And Christ would make a statement there in John, feed my sheep, as he would write, as he would say to the apostle Peter, And Christ is to lead and feed, and fathers are to feed and nurture, and mothers are to feed and nurture, and husbands are to feed and nourish their wives, and pastors are to feed and nurture, and the government of Israel is to take care for God's people. But in looking at feeding, every leader to feed is whom he or she appropriates and oversees. It's in these relationships we actually see a gift. You see, everyone who feeds in their relationship is also a gift to those whom they serve. In each of these gifts, there's a free benefit to the one receiving the leadership and what we must understand this morning is realize the leadership structure of god is a gift not a burden or thing to resist and you must be the leader to feed those whom god has entrusted to your care and your responsibilities that god's give you if you're a father you watch out for your kids if you're a husband you watch out for your wife if you're a father and a husband you do both if a pastor watches over the church, uh, uh, if you're uh, in a, an employee or a supervisor, you watch over your workplace. But God has given leaders responsibility. God's given the direction to feed, to nourish, and to protect. And I want to talk about that today. Oh my, friend, the gift of authority is really a wonderful thing. If a man... As we're going to talk about, Lord willing, next week in relationships and God's marriage and those sorts of things, if a man will not protect a woman, he doesn't protect her heart, her emotions, he doesn't try to protect her physically, I'd give that guy the quickest bags and say, get out of here. Because God called leaders to protect. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and mercy. Our Lord, we yield this time to thee and Father, each and every person here this morning you love, you care for. Father, you bought us, all of us, by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, I need your help. I need your words. God, I pray that you'd guide us and direct us. And Father, I pray that you'd encourage our hearts to get under the authority you've given and to be thankful. Lord, I love you. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. 
I've spoken about that Jesus is the builder of relationships. Jesus was a carpenter. I've talked about the gift of relationships. As Jesus said, feed my sheep. And, and we realize that all of us are sheep. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, it says. And God, there's a gift of leaders in a relationship here. In Romans 13, 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be, home, church, government, are ordained of God. Now, in the direct context of Romans 13, speaking about government. But we find in Christ, in this idea of gift of leaders, that Jesus Christ said, or David would say, by inspiration of the Spirit of God, the Lord is my shepherd. As a shepherd leads, protects, guides, nourishes, feeds his sheep. And the God is our leader. God is our authority. He is the one in charge. He gives eternal life to all that come to him. He is the Savior of the body, providing the very rescue. And we understand he laid down his life for us. Why? To protect us from God's eternal judgment. There's the unmarried. If you're unmarried here this morning, uh, it's a proper gift of, God. It's a gift of God for the time being until the Lord, if God may see fit for you to be married, and if you don't have a desire to be married, there's nothing wrong with not being married. That's a gift of God. And it talks about, and, and your authority there is Christ, and they're in the church, and you know, and so, you know, it talks about in 1 Corinthians 7, 34, a married woman, you know, she has distractions of caring for her husband, but an unmarried woman or unmarried man, they're fully dedicated to the Lord. They have no distractions. But either are good, and I'm going to talk about this. Marriage is not a bad thing. Marriage is a wonderful thing if God has that for you. Now, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18, 22, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And obtain a favor of the Lord. Understand this, husband. Your wife, you're married, your wife is a gift of God. God gave you her. She's a gift. She's a blessing. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, let the husband render to the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the, the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Listen, wife, you don't belong to yourself. You belong to your husband. Listen, husband, you don't belong to yourself. You belong to your wife. Your, the body of your spouse belongs to you. No one else. That's a beautiful thing. It's a gift. The Bible talks about Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. God's saying a virtuous woman. Man, is she of value. She's a gift. Proverbs 31 talks about strength and honor, her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Man, a wife is a gift. Don't take her for granted. She's a blessing of the Lord. But in, contrary, in, in contrast to this, also, a husband is a gift as a leader to a wife. He's not a dictator. It says in 1 Peter 3, 7, look with me here at 1 Peter 3, 7. And this is, I think, this is the majority of the time, the truth here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, the Bible gives us about the husbands of how to interact with their wives. And I'll talk much more about this, but man, a leader of a husband and understanding and knowing his wife, she's a gift. And the husband is a gift to her husband. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Likewise ye husbands dwell with them, 
According to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife is unto the weaker vessel and is being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Overall, there's a few exceptions to this, but I would say most of the time, ladies in physical, anatomical fashion are weaker than men, physiologically speaking. The husbands understand my wife doesn't have the same capabilities that I do, and but she has some strength that I don't. We compliment. But you also understand, you don't ever see this about the wife, but you do see it. He says, husbands, if you treat your wives wrong, I'm not answering your prayers. That's pretty amazing. God says, husbands, and it does say, wives, submit yourselves in your own husbands and in the Lord. But God says, husbands, if you treat your wife, who is a gift from me, you don't treat her well, I'm coming after you. A woman is very precious. A husband is valuable and to be respected. It says in Ephesians 5.28, look with me here. I'm saying leadership is a good thing done God's way. We want to run from it. We want to question it. We want to say it's outdated. I'm saying it's still relevant for today. But a husband is to be a leader and that's a good thing as a gift to a wife, but the Bible gives some things for that husband to be. He, it says in Ephesians 5, verse 28. So ought men to love their wives. How? According to his own love. His own love is standard. No, it says as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. If a man's going to do well for himself and he's going to go out and buy a whole bunch of goodies and hobbies and those sorts of things, then he's neglecting his wife. He's a horrible leader. God's saying, you be the husband as a gift to your wife. You love your wife as yourself. That wife has a gift in a husband that loves her. That leadership is good. Think about this going forth. Fathers and grandfathers. Look with me at Proverbs 17.6. Your children, fathers, your grandchildren, grandparents here are a gift of God, Proverbs 17, 6. And you're a leader over them. You have great input. You have great, uh, I mean, just your influence over these children is great. In Proverbs 17, 6, you're a leader. And you're a gift to your grandchildren. They're a gift to you. There nowhere does that child supposed to be a burden. Because if that child sees, begins to become a burden, that child is then no longer in your mind a gift of God. Every child's a gift. In Proverbs 17, 6, the Bible tells us children's children, talking about grandchildren, are the crown of old men and the glory of children are their fathers. I see the look on grandparents' faces when they see their, child, their grandchildren. Big old smile comes on their face. I mean, they're, they're happy to see their kids, but man, when that grandchild comes around, it's just like, boom, that smile breaks out. The crown of old men. But it also says the glory of children of their fathers. Dads, you're a gift to your child. You're a gift to your children. As I said, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That child is not yours. That child is God's gift to you. You understand this? Look with me at Ephesians chapter 6. That in this fathers and grandfathers, 
and children in, their, in regards to children as, who are gifted their parents. I understand some parents are a little bit more difficult than others. And God knows this. But God, what I'm talking about today is what God's desire and plan is for every home. Now, as we deviate from what God designs, there's always heartache. And I'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But children are a gift. Grandchildren are a gift to their grandparents. Grandchildren, their grandparents are a gift to the grandchildren. Parents are a gift to the children. The Bible tells us, if, do you realize this? That the gift, the parents as a gift to the child, that, that the obedience to those parents actually extends their life. My parents would always tell me as a young kid, yeah, it'll extend your life if I get a hold of you. <laughs> Got in trouble and... <laughs> Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, the Bible tells us, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and the mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. If you go to the Ten Commandments, this is the one that has a promise. What is a promise? That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. If you're dishonoring your parents, you shorten your life. That's a gift. Mothers are a gift of leadership over their children. Proverbs 31, 28, her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he prays with her. Mothers, you're a gift to your children. Deuteronomy 28, 4, blessed shall be the fruit of the body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. But it said the fruit of your body. Mothers, your children are a gift to you. Look with me at Psalm 127. Children are a gift to their parents. Psalm 127, 3. You know, if we begin to think biblically about all of this, how we deal with life, children are a gift, parents are a gift, wife's a gift, husband's a gift, spouses are a gift, grandparents are a gift. You know, we think all of it comes from God and it's all a gift. You know what that does? It changes our entire perspective of life. Because we're not thinking, oh, I can't stand them, I can't stand this. Then you're saying, I don't like the gift that God gave me. When a husband mistreats his wife or a wife mistreats her husband, She's saying, God, I don't like the gift you gave me. We've got to think biblically. And God's given us responsibility and leadership, and all leadership is a gift. And the, and the leader's gift is the people he gets an opportunity to be responsible for, or he or she gets to be responsible for. In Psalm, in Psalm 127, Verse 3, lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children, so are children of the, of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. Understand this, uh, parents, that your children are a gift, and you have the greatest opportunity to, uh, to mold the minds and the faith of your child so that when they grow up, they can be a strong Christian against the evils of this world. They're a gift. Abortion wants to kill the gift. A local church is a gift. Look with me at Acts chapter 20. A local church is a gift. And I know I'm going through a lot of different passages, going through several topics here, but in this leadership, if I step back and I just begin to think, through wisdom is in house builded, and if I want to establish my house on wisdom, I've got to see things the way God says they need to be seen. Leadership. Is not do what I say, her, with a heavy hand. 
That's not seeing those to whom you're responsible as a, as a gift. Those are, that mentality sees people as something to prop me up to make me look good. But it's never about me. You see, leadership is never about me. It's never about you. It's always about the gift that God has given. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, the Bible tells us, Hello? <laughs> Amen. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Uh, Acts 20, verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. He says to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Jesus Christ is the head of a church. The local church is a blessing and a, and a gift. I mean, you think about this, verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing uh, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. But he says a church he hath purchased with his own blood. The local church is a gift. Members in there are a gift, as we'll look at here shortly, but church is a gift of God. Look with me at 1 Peter 5. Faithful pastors are a gift. 1 Peter 5. The leadership of pastors and faithful pastors is a gift. In 1 Peter chapter 5. Is it amazing what God's given to us? Every good and every perfect gift cometh from the Father above, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from God. And leadership is still a gift. Because the very thing that would create problems there in Adam and Eve is they had a problem with the gift of God. They had a problem with the relationship with God being the authority. Satan did. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, the elders, he's talking about pastors which are among you, I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. He says, feed. But God doesn't say, feed your church. God never tells me to feed my church. It's not my church. It's God's church and God's people. I didn't buy you out of the slave market of sin. Jesus did. So I am to feed you who are God's people, God's sheep, God's flock. That's my responsibility. But he says, taking the oversight. He says, pastors, take the oversight, not by constraint. And the idea here is to look after continuous responsibility. I mean, a pastor, and I, I know for myself personally, as I, I look at the church, and man, this church is on my mind, and, and I think about a number of you, and as you're going through circumstances and trials, and some aren't here, and, and they're going through trials, man, it's on my heart, it's on my mind, and as the week goes on, I'm praying for you, and things go forward, and, and I'm thinking, you know, about the big work project we're going to do this summer, you know, and all the work, and all the labors, and how is it all going to be done? And, but it says, not lords over God's heritage. This isn't my church. This is God's church. This is being in samples. But a pastor is a gift who cares, invests himself. 1 Timothy 5, 17. 
Would you look with me here this morning, 1 Timothy 5, 17. Oftentimes a pastor is seen in a negative light. Ah! You know what? God's given authority in God's timing. That's why he has strong prerequisites for it. In 1 Timothy 5, 17, let the elders, talking again, elders, bishops, and pastors are all synonymously used. And there's like, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor. I've got various roles. And, and in that idea, the pastor sometimes is more administrative. There's administrative things for a building, you know, to keep the lights on and all those sorts of things. There's, uh, over, you know, there's working with people uh, as a pastor. There's preaching. There's various responsibilities that a pastor does. within a church. And so this idea of elders and bishop and pastor, it just, same office, just various responsibilities within that office. But in 1 Timothy 5, 17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. It's a pastor's responsibility to be in the, in the word of God. Look with me at Hebrews 13, 17. So it is a privilege as a pastor. A pastor To have a pastor is a, is, is a privilege. There's a number of churches that don't even have pastors. All over this land, all over the world. Lots of churches without pastors. And some that may say they're pastors, but don't care for the people. God's people. But in Hebrews 13, 17, notice with me what the Bible says. It says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. That they may do it joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Jesus Christ is the head of a church. A pastor has to answer to Jesus Christ, and someday when his life is over, he's going to have to answer to God for how he dealt with God's church and God's people. A pastor's going to have to give an answer of how he ministered to God's people. And that local church that where he was pastoring. A pastor is a gift. He does say obey. He does say submit. Just as he talks about wives submitting to their husbands. But again, we think we have such a negative view of authority. But, but authority is a gift of God. Look with me. 1 Corinthians. Now, on the contrary of that, a pastor has an ability to serve God and use the gifts that God's given him. But on the contrary of that, church members are a gift. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. First Corinthians 12, 18. The Bible tells us, But now if God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it pleased him. And if there were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say into the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. He goes on and on, and then verse 27, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. But it says if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. Well, you can only conceptualize that in a local place, in a local church. Conceptualize this. God puts into that church as members who he wants to put there. Their gift. That idea, again, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples of the flock. It, you know what? Understand this, that church members wore all God's heritage. You see, a pastor has the gift of members with whom he can carry out the gifts the Lord has given to him. I have an opportunity as members, some are members here, and 
of an opportunity to serve and minister to this flock, this congregation. It's a gift. Now here's another one that's a little bit harder to take. Do you realize the government is a gift? Look with me at Romans chapter 13, verse 3. You're thinking, I don't think on this one. Look at me at Romans 13, 3. This one's the harder one to take for, because we see a lot of corruption. <clears throat> In Romans 13, 3. Verse 3 of Romans 13. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. But he says in verse 1 and 2, let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, <clears throat> this one particular gentleman, this commentary, this illustration, Christians in Tyranny. This guy was a president of a prominent uh, church, and the Foreign Mission Board voted to give $35,000 toward rebuilding a Baptist church in Warsaw, Poland. The building had been bombed by the American planes during World War II. He said, I received a letter from a Baptist man protesting this financial gift to them communists, he writes. I wrote back to tell him I knew some Polish and Russian Baptist leaders and that they were very consecrated Christians. I also reminded the man that Christianity was born under the tyrannical Roman Empire, and through the centuries had lived and labored under every form of government. Strong dedication is required to be a faithful Christian under a tyrannical form of government. When Paul wrote this, they were burning Christians at the stake. When Paul wrote that, he was imprisoned. And when, when they write this, the government rulers were literally impaling Christians on stakes, dipping their bodies in tar, and burning them for their wicked debaucherous festivals. Daniel 2.21 talks about that God removes kings and raises up kings. The one we have in power of this government, God allowed. God put in place. Now you might be thinking, he's got some real problems. Or she does, or whatever. But God is still the authority. Now Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. It, faced, you know, it surprises when we face the reality of God's control. In a moment, God could take any politician of this world and their life is ended. God would take Nebuchadnezzar and send him for seven years out in the wilderness as a wild beast. God can deal with our wicked government. It was there in 1989 when the Berlin Wall fell between East and West Germany. God worked. Look with me at John chapter 19, verse 11. Is our government as an authority, is it a gift? And to that I say yes. My flesh wants to say no! I, you know, there's things at times I'm like, what are they thinking? Why are they doing this? Why do I have to pay more taxes? Think it. I mean, that's true. But Jesus is still on the throne. In John 19, 11, 
Jesus answered, Thou couldest had no power. But look at verse 10 for context. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Pilate says, Listen, I can kill you if I want to, Jesus. And Jesus answered, Thou couldest had no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Jesus said, You couldn't do anything to me unless I allowed it. Going back to Romans chapter 13. Do I wish our government changed? Of course I do. Do I wish we didn't have all the immorality and the corruption? Of course I do. I think every one of us would. Get rid of the corruption. Get rid of all the bureaucracy. Get rid of all the middlemen. Of course. Save us taxes. Amen. I like that. But if I understand authority as a gift... Everything is a gift from God. And I have no reason to complain. We were talking about Habakkuk in Sunday school this morning. Habakkuk was written before the Babylonian captivity, a bad time. And, and the fields and the crops and the, the jobs were going away. And yet he said, yet will I rejoice in thee. Romans 13, 3, the Bible tells us, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. You're thinking, I think there's a lot of evil in politics that doesn't get judged. I think you're correct. But who is in control? Who's the authority? Have we seen great injustices? Without doubt. Humanity is wicked. There's a lot of selfishness. Verse 5. Look with me at verse 5. Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Paul writes this when they're hunting Christians down. Now, Christians are running for their lives, some of them. And some of them are being killed. But he says the governments are God's ministers. It's not just in a free nation that the government is a blessing. It's a gift. Doesn't that change our thinking? When I think... The authority that God's put in my life is actually a gift. Not something to complain against and moan about and to stress about. As I've mentioned before, the United States has been in existence for coming on 250 years and through history, most nations will fall at the 250-year point. That's 2026. It's two years away. For our southern neighbors to know more. Be no more. If we're still around and Jesus hasn't come back at that time, what's the next ruler? If there's a changeover in government beyond what we can foresee, is God's gift of authority still good? See, God is the creator. 
He is the one in control. He is the master architect, as we spoke about last week, through wisdom as in house builded. And what I've been doing as I'm going through these various areas of responsibilities, I want us to get God's wisdom to think about these things. In his architecture, the Lord has given leadership as a means of properly building a life, a marriage, a home, a government. And does our government run the way God wants it to? No, absolutely not. But we understand from James 1 to 15, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. If we deviate from the wisdom that God's given and the instructions God's given, there's always collateral damage upon you and others. And we see that all around us. Selfishness, homes being destroyed, marriages being ruined, government being ruined. We see all this stuff because of selfish government. And yet the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of God's Spirit, could still say they're God's ministers. God has established a specific truck structure of nurturing and feeding each person in society. It is the leader's responsibility to take care of, to feed, to nurture, to protect those in their care. Mothers over their children, fathers over their children, fathers, husbands over their wives. But some leaders may assume the responsibility it's to demand, to dictate, but not to care for and protect. What we must do is stop seeing these authorities as a burden, as an object, or a person to be resisted, to be hated, to be complained against, and instead see them as a gift of God. Now, I understand in situations of relationships where there's abuse, there's times for needed separation for your own personal safety. I totally, totally, wholeheartedly advocate for that if someone's life is in danger. <clears throat> And when a government's, you know, there may be times to run, as the Christians did. They may say, don't worship Jesus. Well, uh, my ultimate authority is God. But we have to stop seeing these authorities as a burden. And I'm going to be speaking about some foundational issues of the home, marriage, dating, all bedrock issues which are fundamental to our society, to churches. And if we get away from what the Lord has ordained and the leadership structure he's set up, society falls to pieces. And it is. Women, children, men, they're suffering. Look with me at Judges 17.6, and I'll be done here shortly. A little bit earlier than I normally am done this, this morning. Judges 17, 6. Through wisdom as in house builded, keep that in mind. Judges chapter 17, verse 6. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. This is a summary of the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. We're in that day. And we are seeing our nation fall to pieces. Homes fall apart. Wrecked children. Trauma. Tragedy. I'm saying if we get back to the structure that God's established, we get back to doing it what God has done, man, 
There's a lot of benefits. There's a gift of authority. And we must embrace the gift of God's ordained authority as well as embrace the role of leadership. If you are a leader in some capacity, a parent over children, a grandparent over grandchildren, a, a, a spouse, and I've mentioned all of these this morning, embrace that role and feed and protect those whom God has established for you to watch over. And look what God will do with your life and in the church here. And it's exciting if we get back to the leadership structure God has established. And rather than seeing it as a curse, see it as a blessing. There's a gift of authority. This morning, the first authority that every person must acknowledge in their life is there is an almighty God in heaven. And when we step from this life into eternity, as I did a funeral on Tuesday up in Tadouli, we step from this life into the next. There is an authority, and His name is God, who created us and His desires for a relationship with us. He loves us. He cares for us. And he's given to us a gift, and that gift is Jesus Christ. We have a cross here. And that gift is to give you eternal life, to spare you from His judgment if you'll just accept the authority of God, ask Him to forgive you. You're, you've wronged Him. You've offended Him. In, your court, in His courtroom, you're guilty. And you say, God, forgive me of all my sins and be my Savior. And if you're here this morning, you've never asked God to forgive you. You might say, well, I've asked Him to forgive me, but I've never put my personal faith in Him for my eternity. My friend, do that this morning. You're never guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed your next breath. Realize that, and that authority that God loves us, for God so loved the world. He loves us, He nourishes us, He feeds us, He protects us, but He is the authority. And I want to know Him. And I want you to know Him this morning if you've never accepted Him. If you're a Christian, if you're a leader in a particular area in your life, you might be a husband, you might be a father, a grandfather, a supervisor, in some capacity, you are still a leader in your own right. Embrace the leadership and embrace those to whom you're responsible as a gift, not as a burden. Be the leader you need to be. Embrace the authority over you as a gift, not as a, a curse. And if we begin to think this way, we'll begin to think in the wisdom of God. Through wisdom, a house is built. So with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, time of quietness, a time of invitation, just a time of prayer between you and the Lord with heads bowed and eyes closed. When you're done praying, if you could look up and I'll conclude us in prayer this morning. Every one of you are precious in God's sight.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for this morning. and Thank you for each and every person that you brought out this morning. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you. We thank you for the opportunity to understand the wisdom, your wisdom, that authority is a gift. Responsibility of leadership is a gift. And Lord, may we see those to whom we're responsible as a gift. And God, may we submit to our authorities. Lord, we need your help. We need your guidance and direction. Father, thank you for all those who are here this morning. Thank you. I pray that anyone that's not saved, Lord, would call out to you for the forgiveness of all their sins and be gloriously saved. Not trusting in any good works, but just accept that I need Jesus. And I want to know him, who is my authority. He's also the one who loves me and gave himself and wants to protect me for eternity. Father, we understand that there's leaders over us that are not perfect. They fail. They have problems. But God, I can still submit because you're the one in charge. Lord, I love you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Help us as we go out to honor you. In Jesus' most holy and precious name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, amen. Good service.